401k advisors want to build a scalable practice, but aren't always sure what to do next. Welcome to Outcomes, the podcast designed to help advisors think, make decisions, and cast a vision to create a business for the future. Here's your host, Ross Marino, financial planner, author, speaker, and CEO of Advisor2x. Welcome to Outcomes, the podcast. Today, we are joined by Jennifer Pearson, Vice President with Clearview Advisory. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Hi, Ross. Thanks for having me. This is my first podcast interview, so I'm looking forward to it. I've been looking forward to having you on the podcast, and specifically, it's because of your role at Clearview. Now, I know you're an integrator. That's how you describe yourself. And you work with Greg Fiore, and he's not an integrator. He's the visionary. And understanding how the integrator and the visionary work together is one of those critical functions for a successful business. But before we get into that, I want to start with how, as a firm, you adapted to the pandemic. You told me a story about your first virtual pitch earlier in the year, and you offered to share it. So can you tell us how that went? Yeah. um, Ouch. So I'd like to tell you that uh, the transition to virtual presentations was seamless and we just easily won the business. But um, I think the saying goes, you either win or you grow. So this would be one where we we grew. The way we typically work, our, our pitch is custom to prospects. So we don't compete in a lot of RFPs, we will, but we want to get a lot of information before, typically before we do a presentation. So when we do the presentation, it's very custom to the group. And without, you know, obviously we're trying to get hired. So we're, we're poking holes in, in the process. Um, and without the niceties of the traditional in-person meetings, this uh, initially cameras on, diving in, here are all the things that you need to fix, did, just did not go over well, right? No, no one on a committee who's volunteered their time and taken the liability to be a fiduciary to the plan wants to show up in a pandemic and hear all of the other things that are going wrong that, that, they, need to, that they need to fix. So um, that was a, a really valuable lesson to us. Not that, obviously, we we need to fix those things. We want to get hired and we want to fix those things, but to just change our approach so that we're starting with what they've done well. So it, we're, we're not launching into that. And then the other part of it is um, arriving early. You know, th- Those conversations when you get to the office and everyone's gathering in the boardroom and, and you're having those conversations, they're, they're so important. And, and without that, I think, you really miss something. And, and so moving to the virtual presentation, the other thing that happens is, you know, we want to make sure our technology is working correctly. So we join a few minutes early, but joining a few minutes early and letting them know that you're going to be joining a few minutes early. So if you have a few minutes on the front end, feel free to pop on and, and we can chat before we launch into the presentation. I think that that has, in our experience, helped respect their time and allowed for a little bit of that just friendly banter that that uh, we're missing. On so that, that was the question I wanted to ask, and you went right there. If you're going to get them on early, now you have that time to chit-chat a little bit. 
but you now have to tell them to get on early and testing technology sounds good, but have people been resistant to joining their 10 o'clock meeting at 950? How have people reacted to that? So, you know, this is still a bit of an art, like we're still playing with it. I can't say that we've got it nailed down um, completely. There are always going to be, and I think especially in this environment, people who are joining at the last minute because their whole day is back-to-back meetings and that's just the way it is. So we've gone back and forth of do we change the calendar invitation to, you know, have the meeting start at 9.55 instead of 10 o'clock. And we we haven't done that yet. It's something we're, we're considering doing. So now it's just more of a um, letting them know, hey, we're going to be coming on early. We want to make sure technology is working and we'd love to catch up with you for a few minutes before we launch into the presentation if you have time. So it's just giving them right now, just just giving them the option to do it, but we're not adjusting the actual time of the meeting. Have you talked about as a firm, once face-to-face meetings are more prevalent, vaccines are distributed, people feel safer meeting face-to-face. Have you talked about how you're going to blend video with face-to-face? Oh, we talk about it a lot <laughs> because I think we're all just wondering how much of this is going to stick and how much of this is going to go back to what we we consider we consider normal. I don't know. I have a hard time believing that, especially in establishing a relationship when we're working with with prospects. Uh, I have a hard time believing that we're going to have a ton of success, as much success doing that virtually as in person. Um, But ongoing relationships, existing relationships, we had even before this, we we had seen the shift of starting to do one or two virtual meetings a year with our existing clients and then meeting with them um, once or twice a year in person. How about on the organizational level? I know you've installed Teams and you started using that for meetings. How's that worked out as a company? Teams has been a game changer for us. It it really has. We were we were using several things before. So we were using Slack to do our instant messaging. Of course, there's still email and then our shared files and and having Teams just bring all of that together uh, has has saved us all a, a lot of time. And now we just, we just live in teams. We live in teams for communicating back and forth and our team meets via video too. So it, it's not a, and, and I've heard on your podcast talking with others too. I think this is pretty common. Um, video is not really optional. It's, it's really just nice to, nice to see each other. And, you know, we've gotten used to seeing each other on the way to or coming home from the gym sometimes, but it's just nice to see each other when we're having a conversation. Yeah, isolation definitely drags on everybody. So I know as an organization, you've mentioned the word game changer on a few different decisions that you've made strategically, and then you've executed them. And one of the first ones you mentioned was the book Traction, which just ended up on my bookshelf as I went through it. We're about to establish OKRs for our organization, but you've been using Traction and the system for a few years. Can you share about that? Absolutely. Um, I will say what a gift it has been, especially this year. So Traction, the first thing that we did um, 
when we adopted traction is go from having annual goals. You know, we'd always set annual goals. This is what we want to do in the next Actually, year. Actually, let, let me interrupt for everybody. It's by Gino Wickman. The book is called Traction and the system is Entrepreneurial Operating System. So we're, we're referring to the book Traction by Gino Wickman. He also wrote Rocket Fuel and he has a system. So I, I should have set that up. Go on. Oh, yes. Um, it is. And, and we learned about it from another advisor uh, and, and read the book. And I am a perpetual student and uh, love process and organization. And so I was, I was all in. Um, but what it, it, it took our annual goal setting and broke it into quarters. So what happened to us, and I think what happens to a lot of organizations, is you have your annual goals. Here are all the things that you want to do over the course of the year. And then the year happens, and all of these other things seep in and, and take priority. And yes, we, we would hit our goals, but then we were, we were randomly busied with all of these other things that that came into play as well. And so traction breaks everything down into quarterly rocks. So we, instead of thinking in terms of the whole year, it is, what are we going to do this quarter? And it can't be a list of 25 things. It's like three to five things. What are you going to accomplish this quarter, and it's all hands on deck. Everybody on the team has a part of it. If nothing else gets done, these are the things that we're going to do this quarter. And it was remarkable because then when the other things seep in, they're great ideas. Yes, they probably are things we need to do. We'll add them to the list and maybe they'll make it the next quarter or two quarters out, but it gives us a priority system. And then when we get to the end of the year, we can go back and see, look at all the things we've done. Like we've done some really big things because we've all been rowing together and there was no, uh, there was absolute clarity on what the priority was for our organization this quarter. So we do it at a firm level and then we also do it at an individual level. So each person has their quarterly rocks. And man, if you want to get something done, you just let everybody know what everybody else's rocks are. <laughs> and it changes it when your goals are no longer private. Um, that really makes a difference. So from, from the organizational level, you get the buy-in usually from one or two people who say, we've got to operate on a new system. Did it take a while for the team to jump on board? Was there any resistance? We have a lot of ideas flying around in our organization. So there probably was some resistance because, you know, a, a small growing business, you're, if it's going well, you are throwing a lot of stuff against the wall to see what sticks. You just, you just are. Um, but this has really stuck and we're headed into year three of it now and now 
everyone just very naturally uses the language. Um, we're getting to the end of this year. So I'm getting Teams messages and, hey, can we spend a few minutes? I've got an idea of something I really want to be a rock for either myself or for um, for the team. Can we talk about it? So it wasn't just completely, yes, that's a great idea, embraced and let's go. But it is now. It, it, it is now. And we're all we're all speaking the language. And I would also say that I think we're just kind of scratching the surface of it too, like two years in, like we're, we've got the cadence of it down. We've got the idea of it down. Um, we don't, we still don't structure our meetings in the textbook way. Uh, so there's, it's like peeling an onion. There's, there, there's more to come. And, uh, but I, I am, I, I am still, all in. I think it's a. I think it's a great system and a great way to to grow a practice and to have everyone understand their 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 role in it. I think the pandemic just stresses how fast change happens in our industry in this day and age. And it's not just the pandemic; it's technology and how fast it drives changes. That to me says you have to have that ninety day focus. I understand the value of a five-year goal and a 10-year goal and realizing that you're going to make course corrections along the way, but it's not like 20 or 30 years ago. Business changes so quickly that you're making course corrections on a quarterly basis. And to have that shorter-term focus to do the things that really matters, I think it's so much more important in the past So than in the past. So game changer number one was traction. Game changer number two, you mentioned one of my favorites, Story brand. Tell us about oh, that. Oh, this is my favorite subject. <laughs> In my next life, I'm going to be. I, I want to do marketing instead of uh, instead of being a financial advisor. I have um, the whole story brand uh, movement. I guess for for lack of a better word, I think is so critical to getting buy in, and I think especially for our industry, simplifying a message that has desperately need to be simplified for for a for a long time. So with story brand there it's Don Miller uh he's he too has written a, a a few books now. I think he's got another one he's got another one coming out um and a podcast uh, and the whole message is make it about them, not about us, which again, going back to our fail at the, our, our first finals presentation um, virtually, that is so important to make it about them, not about us. And again, with technology and media, and we can find out whatever we want about another person or an organization, or we assume when we show up that they know who we are and they have done a little digging on us, and that's why we've gotten into the room, right? So we're we're not going to spend a, a whole lot of time on that. We want it to be all about all about them. And I, I think you know, especially as as retirement plan consultants, there are when we come into a situation, there are so many things we want to do. We have we have so much value to bring, and we can make such a huge impact on on so many employees, but we have to get hired. 
and we can only do uh, so many things at once. So having to simplify into what is the one ask? What is the one thing we're trying to do here? So we're not just spattering a ton of ideas and hoping something resonates and it and it sticks. What is the what is the one ask? Um, so you mentioned the one ask, but as we talked about this before, you don't have just one brand script. That's the message that you create through Story Brand, Donald Miller's program, but you delineated HR versus finance because they're different crowds. Can you tell us about that? Sure. Completely different sales, uh, completely different completely different language, um, completely different conversation between between HR and finance. So when you get to the when you get to the the finals presentation, everyone's in the room. So you have to make sure that you're speaking that you're speaking to both. But getting there and and designing campaign language materials uh, directed at a human resources team versus a finance team uh, is is different, and and the messaging the messaging has to be different. You're the integrator. You've got Greg, who's the visionary. <laughs> this would be a challenge. Integrators and visionary visionaries think differently. They approach things differently, and sometimes there can be f- some friction. So I know, as a visionary, I have ideas. <laughs> and Jennifer, I love my ideas. They are amazing. In fact, the idea I had this morning, people would find this hard to believe. I think it's more incredible than the idea I had yesterday morning. That's the typical visionary out there. We are so excited about what we just figured out. We have ideas. They're a dime a dozen. I think they're all fantastic. They all may seem like they would work how do you as an integrator work with a visionary who always has the next best idea coming up? First, Russ, I would say your ideas are amazing. And Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. At least you recognize that. <laughs> they are. And I am, I am jealous of you visionaries that have all of these great ideas uh, because as soon as I hear an idea, um, I am... I'm just process driven. So I am immediately thinking, how could that work? Could that work? I go completely into the weeds with every one of with every one of the big ideas. So they are amazing. And your ideas are what keep businesses thriving. They're what keep businesses starting and then thriving. Uh, so I am, I'm, I work with Greg Fiore. Uh, I was, I was Greg's first hire, um, 13 lucky years ago. And so I have uh, experienced an absolute ton of those ideas over the years. I would say that it has, it's really fun and it's really interesting. um, But as a visionary, find one person to be your soundboard. So uh, one of the things that that we've learned as the team is, has grown, and there are 15 of us now, uh, and, and I think this is true with everybody, when any of us has a really good idea, our tendency is to share it. I, of course, we want everyone to hear. We want everyone to hear what our, what our great ideas are. And as an integrator, you're having ideas all the time. So um, I, I, think, I, I think that having one person that is kind of your designated person to give all of those ideas to 
is a really great practice because unfortunately, if you start sharing a ton of ideas frequently with the whole team, it can be anxiety producing. And we start to wonder what direction are we going in? Is this really happening or is this something we're just talking about? Where are we in the, uh, where are we in the, the development of this idea and implementation? So I, I would just say um, have one person and, and let that person know that, uh, that they're your soundboard. <laughs> I have experienced sharing too many ideas with too many people and watching that anxiety. So I have created that problem. I can completely affirm what you're saying because I've done that. And I was fortunate to have my soundboard come to me, been with me 20 plus years and say, okay, just stop. Just stop. Talk to me. We can talk about this. You can't go talk to the other people and tell them those things. So it's good to have that relationship. So I, I realize that I've gone through it. I still have to work on it, but it's yep. so important because I'm just thinking what could be when you explain that to someone who works day to day, they're thinking, how will it be? Because they assume it's going to happen and they have no idea how it's going to happen. So yes, that really can create a lot of anxiety. That's excellent advice for the visionary. How about the other integrators out there who are working with the visionaries? What advice would you give them? So I'm, I'm uh, going to go back to the shout out to Don Miller and, and StoryBrand. And uh, Don Miller's another, he's another visionary um, for, for sure. And I heard him say uh, that for his integrator, that once his integrator has heard him say the same thing three times, he starts to pay attention. And I thought that was, that was so helpful for me that I listen out and I'm intentional about it now. Like, I've heard this before. Now I've heard this three times. If I hear it four times, this is really something that needs my attention and my thought on how do we, how do we make this a go? Yeah, that's excellent advice. I, I had an office manager years ago, my first hire ever. She came from uh, law school at UNC Chapel Hill. And her advice to me was, as far as how integrators go, is that just wait before you respond to it. And she would get the ideas from the dean of the law school and she wouldn't do anything for 24 hours because if the dean didn't bring it up again, it was okay. And I, yep. I thought that was brilliant. So no matter what you brought up, she just put a 24-hour buffer on it. Yep. And if it came up the next day of, hey, hey are we going to work on this? Absolutely, we're going to work yep. on it. And mm -hmm. it's the whole idea of, yes, you have different ideas, but it takes time. You have to, they got to percolate. You got to think through yes. them. It, it, it definitely takes a little time in order to do that. We shouted out Donald Miller, Gino Hickman, Traction. How about some vendors, products, services, software, anything that you're using right now that you'd like to share with everybody? I still, I still think that uh, relationship managers just don't get enough credit at the, with, at the record keeper. And their, you know, their, their caseloads are growing as we all see our, you know, the, 
cost shrinking. And uh, so there are, a, there are a ton of great relationship managers. If you partner with one on, on, some, of, on some of your plans, it, it can really enhance the whole relationship. So we've always been of the mindset and most of our team came and myself included came from the record keeping background, not from the investment side. So um, we, we get the, the value of the record keeper. We always, you know, want them to have a seat at the table, want them to have part of the presentation. Uh, We share that relationship with them, with them very, very much. So I would say record keepers in general, um, the relationship management function is, is so key to, to great relationships. Uh, for us specifically and, and our team, uh, there are a couple people at, at Fidelity, um, Taylor Melton, who kind of oversees our whole book of business uh, with, with Fidelity and, and Joe Grab have, uh, have made working with big Fidelity uh, feel like we're really on, really on top of it. Um, so I, I would definitely want to mention the two of them. And um, Paul LeMay at, at J.P. Morgan would be another one of these just absolutely rock star, rock star relationship managers. And um, especially during, especially during this season, uh, any, any of them that are in our lives, being sure to, to not, not forget them because they, they make relationships uh, extra special and extra sticky with our clients. Final question, the magic wand. Ah. A lot, lot going on in the world out there. Other than related to the pandemic, if there's one thing you could change in the world by waving a magic wand, what would you change, Jennifer? I wish you could hand me that magic wand uh, virtually. Um, there are obviously a, a lot of things, um, but I would say right now, if uh, I could just sprinkle some grace over everyone, that would, uh, that's what I would use it for. I, this year has just been tough. Uh, it's been, it's, if, even if it hasn't been tough financially, which it has been tough financially for so many people, uh, it's felt isolating. It's been scary. We're just, there's so much, un, there's so much unknown. Our, our kids are out of school. Uh, and each person's experience is so different. I, uh, I, I still think this election year, I, I think we just have a long way to go in, in listening to each other and trying to find some understanding. Um, social media is great. It gives us a platform to, you know, give our opinion, uh, but it, it really needs to be more of a, a conversation. And I would say um, to that end and, and speaking about grace and even specific to our industry, this is uh, applicable. I still think that a ton of our education assumes that someone makes good financial decisions all the time from a very young age, and then they uh, hopefully can meet their goals. And we just, we all know that, 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 uh, that life happens. And so showing that example and then the, but if you wait, you know, scenario can give a terrible message sometimes. So we all know that life happens. And so I think we just need, again, that, that grace and, and start giving some more examples of just meeting people where they are. Well said. Thank you so much for being on the show, Jennifer. Thank you. Thanks for having me. 
Thank you for listening to Outcomes. Subscribe now to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Advisor 2X. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.